Thank you for tuning in to Highly Functional under the umbrella of Hardwater One. This is Dr. Brianne Shelman-Brown, the Functional Athletic Specialist. Welcome back to another episode of Highly Functional. I am joined here today by colleague, therapist, fitness enthusiast, Nick Brachenti. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm awesome, Brianne. Thanks for having me on here. It's a pleasure. Of course, of course. I, as you know, have been following you for quite a while on your podcast and on social media and just absolutely love the things that you're putting out covering all aspects of you know wellness in general as far as the physical the mental emotional and just get all that involved and I know how much of a passion the mindset is to you and so I really want to dive into that whole mindset aspect today as far as how it plays into our overall health how it plays into our function and just how it plays into us being a person yeah. I think it can be a perfect storm when you phrase mindset in the health sector because a lot of folks may have different exposure to the literature and the evidence and in their clinical practices it's tough from like a like we're both PTs, right? So we have this physical component down packed and we understand anatomy and physiology, but when you tie in mindset to how that performance piece and how the anatomy and physiology is related to mindset, that's where the kind of gray area starts to grow a little bit and it's for me at least through the guests on the podcast that we've had and and just in general, the readings and the people that I've been in contact with and learning from are showing me that it's a little bit more than just, do you have a mindset? It's kind of like, this is really what might drive all of the behaviors, health and fitness included. So it's cool. It's a, it's a fun topic. I'm not an expert on it though, but it's definitely, it's definitely something that interests me. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I don't know if anyone can truly be an expert on mindset just because there's so much that plays into it in so many different realms and I think it's something that we truly need to just constantly be working on and being focused on and as well, because it does play a, such a big impact into you know, what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I actually recently, you had asked me a week ago or so, even a little longer before that, to jump on the podcast to talk about this. But you know, in the last couple of months, I've been seeing different definitions of mindset and how that really, I think, is perceived is quite vague, but if you really boil it down to what mindset means or what mindfulness means, it's kind of that like ability to adapt that mental preparation and reaction cycle as like things outside of what you can control throw at you. So like the external stimuli that you get on a day-to-day basis forms your mindset, but then there's that internal component too. And of course, that's where it's different. I think from person to person, the most is how much do people have in control of their own mindset? versus how much of the external or outside stuff that's going on in their lives influences their mindset. That's something I've been reading about a lot because it's something that you and I, as we've gone through some of the same continuing education courses, and as we're, I know you're interested in this preventative side of healthcare and medicine and the populations that are doing fitness really well these days understand that mindset's critical. So like defining that, I don't Do you have a definition? How would you define mindset or mindfulness? You know, it's such a hard thing to define. And I've been working on a lot of mindset things in the past, you know, six, seven months, just as I've been working on a lot of things in my life and changing myself and just really focusing on myself quite a bit and been actually working with a coach for a lot of this as well. And so like you, I've been doing a lot of reading on mindset, on mindfulness and how we go about changing it as far as kind of switching our mindset, whether it be in the situation, whether it be just overall in our daily life. 
it's such a hard thing to define because it's so fluid, I guess, is a good word for it, as far as how you respond to situations and how it changes from situation to situation. Yeah. It's exactly that. I think a mindset is something that changes. And for some people, it changes more often than for others. I think when you're getting into like a workout per se, though, like how we've talked about this discussion as as it pertains to fitness, mindset can mean a few different things compared to how people might frame their mindset for their work jobs or, you know, their family life and stuff like that. So I think knowing that there are multiple mindsets that someone might go through in the day itself is kind of mind blowing. It's kind of like, well, how do we define mindset at 10, 15 in the morning and mindset at 4.15 in the afternoon? I think that's a unique piece. But what I've found more and more often is that the people that seem to thrive in terms of happiness, in terms of quality of life and, and satisfaction with all the different stages that they go through during a day, during a week, during a month, is because they almost have the, the really good capacity to shift mindsets. We have both, I'm sure, found some literature, some folks out there like, you know, there's the Gary Vaynerchuks that say things like figuring out your why and that being your mindset for a while can be an eye-opening experience. But exploring a little bit deeper as to, you know, those external factors that influence your mindset, that's a different practice too. Because I think if we're going to talk about fitness, there's a lot of different external factors there that might mold somebody's mindset. And you're, you're somebody that I know has a ton of experience in the CrossFit world and you work in a, a group setting a lot with your own personal workouts, right? Yes. Isn't that different than going to the gym and doing bodybuilding programs per se? Oh, it's so different. And even just for the most part, I'm always in the group classes, but like New Year's Day, the gym was closed. I still wanted to work out. I went in by, it was myself and my workout partner. And it's just so different that group atmosphere versus one or two people. Like I push myself so much harder in that group environment because there's so much more energy and so much going on. And people to push you more than you know I do when I'm by myself like when you're by yourself it's just kind of like okay just go through the motions to get a workout in versus you know what can I do yeah would you say that's kind of like an attitude thing maybe mindset might be synonymous with like a moment-to-moment attitude yeah somewhat to a point I think that just that word alone might not define what a state of mind might be but I think if your attitude's different around other people and you know that about yourself, you might be more likely to seek it out if you know your performance is better, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think pulling that attitude word into this, I can't say they're synonymous, but they definitely coincide. Yeah. You know, as far as how you respond to a situation, whether it be in the fitness world, life world, business world, will also determine your attitude about that situation or your attitude in general as you continue to go throughout your day. Yeah. And I think that comes into a lot of the self-talk stuff that's pretty prevalent recently. It's pretty cool. There's a good deal of folks that I think, at least that I've experienced in the CrossFit world that have a a negative self-talk or they'll talk about it amongst the other members in the group. Let's say, for example, a workout, right? That's posted on the board. It's written on the whiteboard up there. There's a lot of the negative things said about that workout, but I don't believe a lot of people saying things like, oh man, I've got to do this component of the workout again. I just did it on Tuesday. I'm still really sore. I think that's forming an attitude at a subconscious level, but I know that that's not necessarily their state of mind. I know that they showed up. I know that they like the group setting. I know that they're willing to push themselves a little bit, but yet 
they're almost putting out into the world or projecting this thought that is a bit more negative. Mm-hmm. And then you balance that out with the people that are showing up. And I know you know these people, Brianne, where they're happy-go-lucky. Like they are there, they're pumped every time. They're jazzed up. Doesn't matter what the workout components are. Doesn't matter if it's a really intense or long workout. The idea is that they're a little bit more carpe diem. They're a little bit more kind of go as you will, like with the flow. Mm-hmm. Would you say those are kind of two different mindsets then as you would maybe approach that workout? I think so. I mean, if you go, it is an attitude, but yes, you are at the gym. So obviously you're there to work out, but the more positive you go into a situation, the better you're going to perform. The more negative you go into a situation, like if you tell yourself you can't do double unders, guess what? You're probably not going to be doing double unders very well. So if you constantly just kind of have that thought in your head that you can't do something or that you don't want to do something, you're not going to be performing very well. Yeah. No, that's key. I think that's probably one of the things that maybe we could dive into a bit is the performance side of the mindset itself, like how that actually may influence how somebody performs on a day-to-day basis. But I think more importantly, longitudinally, like if somebody's got a goal and their mindset to achieve that goal is X, you know, there are certain things that coaches can influence that mindset with. There's certain things that a person can do to read or just educate themselves, understand a little bit deeper as to what it might take to reach those goals. But I think that's the kind of thing that I tend to look at mindset more in the macro sense, where if you're thinking about reaching your weight loss goal, and I know for a lot of folks out there, that's at least in our world, brand, right? That's something that we don't like to chase down. Like, I want to lose 10 pounds. I get that a lot, right? And I'm sure you do too. Or I want to gain 10 pounds. But I think more important is like, what's your mindset? What are your motives? Why is that your goal? What's really going to motivate you to work hard? which is ultimately kind of what we want. Like, what's the behavior here? How are we going to make it a pattern? And how can we do it efficiently and safely and and enjoyably? Um, That's where I think we're starting to get more into the mindset discussion as it pertains to performance and goal reaching, progress. What are your thoughts on maybe how you've seen that kind of evolution as you've worked out more in the group setting? Because you get to see so many different people with their different long-term goals. Yeah. I think it truly is coming down to that why of why they want to get to that goal. Because everyone who comes into the CrossFit gym wants to do a handstand push-up, wants to do a muscle-up, like wants to do all this stuff. They may work on it, they may not. But the true thing is like, what's their why on why do they want to? Do they want to compete? Do they want to, you know, do they just like to push themselves and see what they can make their bodies do? There's a lot of different whys there. And it really takes coming down to you know, figuring out that why in order to know how to push that athlete. Yeah. And I think if for the listeners of the podcast to create an actionable step here out of this, it's to actually start integrating, if you don't already, having some type of mindful practice. Practicing the mindset itself is somewhat abstract when you think about it, but let's use your double under example. Because I've got a really good buddy that works out at the gym right now. He's been doing CrossFit for years now. He doesn't have double under in his back and he's been working at it for a while. And I can tell that he's one of those people, whenever he gets 15 minutes before or after the sessions, he'll do it. He'll practice it. And it's, it's almost like if you ask him what his why is, it's almost like he forgot. He doesn't know. It's now so automatic that he goes into his practice. And I think he's seen some progress recently, but not a lot. When wads are posted and double unders are a component, it's still not something he's comfortable doing 
he has to scale it back a bit. And I know that frustrates him a little bit, but you know, when you ask him his why it's to because he wants to do the RX workouts because he wants to be doing what everybody else is doing. And I think that's a great why. I think for a lot of people, that's kind of, you know, if you look at the broad population, at least in my small exposure to CrossFit, that's what a lot of people want. They want to be able to just walk in do the RX stuff, be on the same kind of same tier as everybody doing that. But then I think you can really kind of deconstruct the action steps there. So he's got a mindful practice where he goes in, he's going to tell himself before the workout, I know there's dubs up there. I'm going to spend 10 minutes beforehand practicing dubs. What I think he's missing is the feedback component. I don't think he has anybody watching him, at least not often. I don't think he's internalizing it so that he's actually working on the autonomy. And I think it's because he's built up such a stressful state around it. And his mindset now is, this is something I can't do. If I put in enough time, maybe it'll get better. And I don't know if that's the best mindset for him. So maybe a tweak. And the challenge there is finding a mindful practice that you can revisit regularly to track progress has to be key, whatever the goal is. Yeah. Right? And I think sometimes it just take, requires you to take a step back too. Because when I was working on learning muscle ups, I was kind of in that same point. I was getting so frustrated that I was like, I kept working on them, but it seemed almost like a chore because I was getting myself so frustrated. And so finally I took a step back. Like I didn't work on them at all for probably three or four weeks. I'm like, I just don't want to even touch these right now. And I just had to get in a better place in my head because I knew where I was at was not going to get me a muscle up. Yeah. What did you do then? I'm curious. Maybe, do you remember kind of what you did then? I remember I basically just... Went back to the basics, essentially. I, I was talking to my coach, his different coach at the time than who we have now, but I was talking to him. He's like, you need to go back to having fun with it. Like, this is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be your playground. He's like, just start doing the things that are fun again. And so I just kind of took a step back. Like, I would do the workouts. I would work on other gymnastics skills that were just fun for me and just other skills in general and just kind of started having fun with it versus just constantly making it feel like I was working on something. Yeah. Which goes back to your point about this, the positive framing, right? That self-talk of like, I have to do my muscle up practice today and I have to spend 10 minutes doing it. Of course, you're in tune with your body in that moment, right? You're thinking about this act as a, a feedback loop. You give it a try. You think about what went wrong. You try to alter it. You do it again. And when you get into a rut, that becomes really difficult. And that, I think that spans across all behaviors, people that are changing a diet, people that are starting exercise for the first time, people that are coming over an injury and they're getting out of rehab again. I think that ability to step back is huge. Yeah. That in and of itself, I consider kind of like the first intro into this mindful practice. So the people that do a really good job at being mindful, make that a habit. They make a behavior out of things like yoga or they'll go do a workout a couple. And this is something I'm trying out a little bit myself. Almost all of my years of exercise or performance training or whatever, practices for sport there's been like a music component and i've loved that but i know that there's a, a part of me that gets tapped into when i run for example with no music and i listen to my breathing and i listen to my feet and i kind of feel out what joints are doing what and i i get a better sense of my current state physically if i just do that every once in a while i'm trying to sprinkle that in every three weeks that's why i'm asking you what you did because to take that step back is an, an awesome first step right yeah then where did you come back into the muscle ups? Like, how did it go the next time you jumped into it? You know, I, and I can't say this is exactly where it went, but a comment you made made me kind of think of things. And I, 
think this is kind of where my head was at without realizing at the time. And that's changing the way you're phrasing things as far as you don't have to do anything. You get to do it. It's not that I should do this. I am able to do this. I get to do this. And so just reframing that mindset of like, I get to go have fun today. I get to go work on this today. It's not, I have to go and do this because it's going to be a task to do. So just a word change changes your mentality so much. Yeah. So there's a really cool article. I'll share it with you. And maybe if you want to post it with the listeners, this is something that I found a couple of days ago last week as it pertained to the discussion that maybe we we're going to have. And that was, does mindset shifting influence the use of want-based or should-based behaviors? So like you said, you needed to get a muscle up. You had to have it, which already, it surpassed the want phase, right? Like you almost made it a chore, you said. Yeah. That turns it into a need, a necessity. But you're not going to get that instant gratification. Like if I want a piece of chocolate, I know I don't need it. I want it. But if I have one every single day and it becomes a learned behavior and all of a sudden it's like a habit that I've done for years and years and years, well, then if you ask me where my piece of chocolate is, I'm going to start kind of thinking like, well, I need it. Like it's something that I've done. I've made a habit out of it. I have to do it. And I don't even get the enjoyment from it as much anymore. And I think that with this article, what they found was there's kind of a finite number of mind shifts from mindset to mindset that somebody can go in, say, in a given day and not have all of their internal resources depleted to some extent. So for example, in the article, I, I really, again, this is a long one, but I think about it like, who's going to CrossFit? Um, you got a lot of these hard workers, most often they're doing some type of professional work that takes a lot of energy out of them. But be it mental or physical, if you've got a couple of tasks at work to do in the morning and your mindset is of one that's very interactive, you're, you're in a group meeting with tons of other people, your mindset's quite communicative and you're quite open, right? You're taking in a lot. But then like in the middle of your day, you're shifting your mindset completely to get a project done that's just you and you alone. And then you shift one more time before you get into the car to go home, your mind shifts to another task. But then you get to the gym, right? Then you get to CrossFit. Now you've gone through one, two, three, four mindset shifts. And by the time you get there, it almost makes you go into this automatic necessity mode where it's like, I need to be here at the CrossFit gym. I need to be doing muscle ups because I need to get them as part of my routine. And at some point it may have lost its fun. So having the ability to step back, not doing it for a few weeks for you sounds really interesting because I'm curious, like what did it actually feel like? What was the performance like when you got back into it, when you had fun? I got back and I, I still wasn't successful with them, you know, right away. Cause I've still hadn't had them, but it's kind of those things like they just like, my body didn't learn or didn't forget what it was supposed to do. And, you know, and actually it was kind of a little bit smoother as far as when I was working on drills, like things just seemed a little bit smoother. They seemed a little bit stronger. So that, that rest break was actually kind of gave my body the reset that it needed to actually figure out like, this is how it's supposed to move rather than trying to overthink the entire process every time. Yeah. And if we're talking about performance then too, like the, you know, the act might not be that you step away from something for three to four weeks, but that maybe you integrate a bit more like that. You said that thought process of, well, I need to kind of just have fun with it, be fluid. And maybe you don't even do the muscle ups as a part of your routine, but you do something else that allows you to have fun and be fluid. That act and that behavior is, I think, something that a lot of people in their movement practices, whatever it might be, CrossFit, 
endurance training, whatever it is, the idea that you need to have some diversity, but you need to have fun in, in exploring that diversity because each component, maybe from a run to a swim to an Olympic lift, there's diligence and there's autonomy that gets built with all of that. And that spans across all the different spectrums. But if your mindset is, I have to master each and every single component by a certain set schedule, it's just going to be a little bit more difficult, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But that's where the group setting comes in really cool too, right? Some groups may, I'm learning this as I'm kind of new to CrossFit in general, but I'm, I'm seeing some groups might be a little bit more uplifting. Some might be a little bit more diligent in the specific complex skills. So that's something that you need to take note of. If you're finding that you're really frustrated every time you finish a workout, and it, it might be that that group's pushing you to do really well, but they're just, they're not helping you meet your goals because it's too complex for you. And you've already gone through your day, 15 different mindset shifts, and your mindset to get to the gym is to live up to the expectations of other people. Well, now I see that being a hindrance in progress too. Yeah. You need to be able to accept that and realize that. Maybe you're only working out at that gym two or three times a week. And you're finding something else to do two or three other times out of the week. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I never tell anybody not to work out. <laughs> right. There definitely is something to that, though. The Open this year, like, it definitely didn't go as I had wanted it to. And it, it was very frustrating to me. And it definitely, it kind of made me rethink things and kind of refocus and just kind of figure out, like, where, what was important and where kind of where I was falling short was it and essentially I well I guess it just made me step back for a second and like really think about like 10 years from now what's going to matter is it going to matter that I didn't qualify for regionals but guess what I've been working more on my business and that's exploding and people know me for the business side of things and what I made of myself that way that's like long term this CrossFit Open not applying for the regionals essentially like doesn't matter, you know? And so it, it definitely took me a little bit of time to kind of process that and realize that once I got past my frustration of everything, but it's just something that I think people have to remember as they go through things that, you know, every workout's not going to be perfect, you know, depending on what you're dealing with on your day to day in your day to day life, but every workout doesn't have to be perfect. And that's huge. And I think that's an awesome thing that you mentioned there because you project into the future like so many other people do, but then you tied it into your day-to-day -day functions, right? Your executive order is to survive in this very moment. And I think if you're like me, which probably are, your throttle might be a little bit more wide open than reserved. Is that safe to say? Yeah. 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 Again, that's not better or worse. I think some people are the exact opposite. They might need a little bit more attunement as to why they don't push themselves. People like you and I might need to realize that we can't go 115% every single day if the long-term goal is to thrive for or with XYZ goals. And I think that comes down to a planning and programming type thing where if you can actually, and I know this is crazy, but if you can actually get into your schedule and start programming sometimes, give yourself some feedback as to what you're going through, how you're feeling, and why you're doing what you're doing. That's how I think a mindset really gets developed and how it becomes part of your planning and your process. Because for me, like when I started CrossFit, it was kind of, it was new. It, it was fun. It was exploring all these different moves that I hadn't done in a little while. And, and especially in a group setting and I'm extremely competitive and 
it's easy to get swept up on your feet that way. And then even forgetting all the other people that were there, it's just this internal drive to always want to push it 110%. I've also been on the other side of that where like with running, it's a love hate relationship. I won't push myself to run as often as I push myself to do other things, but I still go and do it because I have a why and I put the running into place as it meets my why. Mm-hmm. But I have to plan that out a little bit. I can't run and go 115% with the workout every single day. I know that I can. That took a lot of time and practice to realize. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's one last, I guess this last thing that I've been going through with CrossFit now too is that I think you have a really unique role when you're in a group to play a part in somebody else's motivation, to play a part in somebody else's exploration and their mindset. Going back to what we said earlier about those folks that kind of come in, they might, and I'm guilty, definitely, I've done this a lot. You're complaining, you're moaning about the workout before it gets started. It's almost because I think you kind of want to relate with everybody else. You want to make it feel like you're not different, that you're like everyone else, and that you're dreading the next 30 minutes. And I get that. That builds the community. That increases the bond. But make note, if you're that person that's coming in five minutes late to every class, you're hustling and bustling to get your stuff together. You're already physically and emotionally exhausted from the day. People are going to notice that. Add on top of that your complaints with every single workout, people are going to notice that. Versus that person that maybe you show up late, maybe you're exhausted, but you show up, you give everybody a high five, and you say, thanks for waiting for me. This looks fun. I can't wait to get into it. That, I think, is a different type of micro-executive functioning. Like in your mind, you are putting yourself out there in a different way to the world. And other people are going to, I think, take that a little bit better. I think they're going to get built up by that a little bit. Yeah. So drag down. And that's how you can really, I think, in a CrossFit setting at least, have a tremendous impact on the mindset of others. And other people are then going to start gravitating towards you and your mindset and your actions. That's huge. That's going to help you get to your why a little bit better, I think. Yeah. And you know, you put a, make a good point. Like depending on my schedule, I either go to the 5am class or like typically like the three thirty, four thirty class. And the people that are in them are so, it's such a different just personality of group. And I absolutely love the 5am because like the majority are mid 40 to like mid 50 range. And you know, they're just, they want to push themselves or they want a good workout. But it's like, if you're there at 5am, like you want to be there for one, because who else gets up that early to go before work? And, you know, and there's a couple in there that every once in a while, there'll be someone else that does push me as far as is a little bit faster, stronger than me and will push me. But what almost pushes me more is there's one girl or there's a couple that like their goal is to keep up with me. And so it's one of those like, anytime there's a run, she's like, if I can hear your feet, like, I know I'm doing really good. And, you know, th- just little things like that. And so it's really fun and motivating for me to work out with them because I know that I'm pushing them harder as they're watching me do different things. Yeah. And at 5 a.m., what's going wrong in the day? Like, exactly. The first thing that you're doing, nothing, has, there's no spillover, right? We all wake up and we're fresh and we're ready to go. And I think there is something different about that because, you know, you're not overburdened by everything else that might have happened during the day. And yeah. it doesn't mean that you can't function really well later but i think from a mindset standpoint it can influence your behaviors then if you know you get more out of the morning workouts well, there's probably a really good reason why not only do you have the competition there like people like you that are going to push a little bit harder but then you also i think are setting the tone for the day 
which is mm -hmm. huge. And that can help deliver a better, more positive outlook throughout the day. And if we're zooming out and really talking about what kind of mindset is, your mindset shift doesn't have to occur before the workout. Your mindset gets created by the workout for that day. And that's yeah. a big difference maker for sure. It doesn't mean you're always going to PR 5 a.m. I think for some people harder to do than others. I'm <laughs> right. But I think that's a pretty cool, unique thing. That, that goes back into planning though. You know, how do you plan for a mindset? How do you mold a mindset? How do you frame in your own actions, something that's sustainable that you think is more positive. I think building your actual schedule up around times and activities that you know have those ebbs and flows, but that allow you to get the most out of the things that you enjoy. And if you can do that, if you're flexible enough, which come on, like it's 2018, I know that we can do it. There's somewhere you can work out early. There's somewhere you can work out late. <laughs> Like you just have to do that because that I think everybody owes to themselves to figure out how am I going to be in the happiest state of mind throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month. And then how am I going to reach these longer term goals? Yeah, definitely. You know, another thing with, with that mindset is not even thinking, you know, long-term fitness goals, but just thinking the very, very short term and how you think about you know, I don't like using the word failure, but like if you miss a lift at the gym, mm -hmm. if you're in only class and you miss a lift, what are you saying to yourself when you go to attempt that next attempt at that same weight? You know, are you in a state of mind that I can get this up or are, have you already put that, you know, failure state of mind in your head? Yeah. So that's, I think that's really unique. What I've certainly thought about recently for myself is because everybody's going to hit a plateau at some point. Somebody's going to try something and fail. You have to embrace this idea, at least for me, I shouldn't say this is something everybody has to do. I embrace this idea that I love challenges and it sounds cliche. It, it definitely sounds even worse when you say it to yourself in your own head. Like I love challenges, but you do. If you showed up for the workout, you do. If you try another rep, you do. If you do another workout that you really struggled with last time, you do. You like it. That's why you're doing it. No and or ifs for me. Like I need to admit to myself that I like that challenge. Whatever happens, happens, right? The preparation that goes into meeting those demands ultimately I think decides how that performance will turn out. But I think a big factor and that's the mindset and the approach, right? Are you mentally prepared to do it? If you're not mentally prepared to do something, I think very few of us, there are examples that might be the opposite here, but very few of us I think put our minds to something and do it every single time. At least execute it exactly as we hoped. Yeah. Right? We're always going on the fly and adjusting and modifying and learning new ways. And that idea of I love challenges, I think is something I've been telling myself more recently when I'm not hitting weights or workouts that feel that great. You know, there's all these other factors that make it difficult to feel perfect every time. But the challenge is that I've got another chance. I've got another opportunity. And I'm fortunate that I do have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I frame it. And I think from what you brought up, like that's really hard. That, that wears on people if you don't have a positive outlook over and over again. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So easy to get into your head and just get those negative thoughts when you do have a miss. And it, you know, it could be fitness or it could, you know, be something else as far as something simple. You, you know, did, maybe you're in a car accident at one specific intersection. Every time you go through that intersection, does it, you know, freak you out? You know, just those little things that we have to reframe in our minds, a, you know, a different pattern, a different thought process in order to, to overcome those things. Yeah. 
And I know we as therapists take some part in that for other people in that we, we talk through some of these things for people that, that have an issue, whether it's a movement-based issue or pain or chronic disease or any, anything that physical therapists might see. You have to acknowledge the fact that there are so many psychological, biopsychosocial factors that go into how somebody's mindset might be in any given moment. And that's why I say it's, it's kind of unique to think of, you know, there's, there's kind of mindful tasks. Like if I think of a very difficult movement that has a lot of components to it, like an overhead you know, a snatch, right? So it's a complex movement. It can be very difficult to think through. But if I can remind myself and basically envision my why as to, you know, why do I want to try it? Why do I want to get better at it? Why do I want to try it today? Why do I not want to try it today? These are the mindset questions that I think people can start asking themselves and coming up with a good answer, which then allows more freedom and creativity within those more executive functions in the moment. Like if my idea for the snatch today is to get a certain number of them, well then, okay, that's my goal. It makes the work process very easy. If my, my basic goal for today's workout is to get a certain number of repetitions, well then that means I need to modify the weight. That's my goal. I can't have my ands all the time. I can't have the weight I want to do and the number of reps if really I'm only focusing on a goal. And sometimes that can change moment to moment. And that's why I think it, the mindset thing's really hard to keep track of in the moment because my mindset might be great going in. I might have a great day, great week, good idea of where I'm at mentally and physically. I'm ready to just tackle the challenges that are coming in front of me. But then the sympathetic drive kicks in, right? The music's loud. Everybody's working out around you. And stuff's flying around, noises are going on, you are just exhausted, your sweat's everywhere, you're breathing really hard. That's when that kind of fight or flight takes control. And it, it makes it really difficult to go back to that mindset of, okay, you know, I'm just going for the reps here. I'm not going for time. I'm not going for load. It's a really complex balance. But I think when you can talk to somebody else, meaning the coaches, meaning the other workout partners that you have, when you can externalize some of your mindset initiatives, and people kind of understand, again, if you're that person that always walks in very negative, no one's going to be their support. Well, I shouldn't say no one, but people might be less supportive. People might be less likely to stand next to you as opposed to somebody else that built them up. So this really all comes back to like, what's, what's that overall action and behavior that you're putting out there for the rest of the world? Because that's going to feed into when your shit hits the fan and you need to make these reps count. That's the type of help that people understand your goals. They understand your why. They're going to stand by you as you try to work towards it. Yeah. And I, I love the way you put that. And it, it really ties into how we kind of work up to our weights and scale and modify at my box. But I never really thought about it that way as far as like my goal is this number of reps, which means I'm going to have to back down my weight to this amount. But that's a perfect way to do it as far as to get out of the mindset of, I want to do RX. I need to do this weight and just get into that. Oh, okay. There's a time cap of five minutes. I guess I better back down to this so I can actually get this intention of the workout and finish it. Right. And when we do our, our specific warmups at the gym, it's like, that's how we're doing things. As far as if you can't do say whatever workout we're doing, we have to be able to hit 10 power snatches unbroken. If you can't hit that weight, well, guess what? You're going to back down that weight. So right. it really is just, I like that mindset idea as far as pick your goal time or pick your goal weight and know that you're going to have to adjust accordingly to hit it. 
Yeah, and I think that's a really that's a tough thing for the coaches. I think that's a really tough thing for physical therapists, for strength conditioning coaches, for people that are working with other people, at least in the fitness sector. It's a really hard thing to do to understand people's why. To see people perform and move, especially under load and fast and hard for a long time. There's so many variables in the moment that almost undeniably things like safety, movement quality, you know, that trumps everything else. Yeah. But the more you externalize your why, the more you have a regiment towards your long-term goals, the better you understand your own mindset, how you feel about exercise is a biggie, right? For a lot of folks in the physical therapy world, where a lot of times we're spending a lot of energy as therapists to get people to buy into exercise as even being a good thing. Because let's face it, it sucks. It hurts. It's not fun when you're doing it. Like we understand differently because I think we've done it and we, we appreciate it. But if somebody's mindset towards exercise can shift, my goal isn't for them at all to focus on repetition or weight or time. It's, I got a buddy right now that's doing a program. He used to work out. He was one of those, you know, after school, high school bros that would go to the gym. To him, exercise was a way to communicate about the school day, to complain about, you know, the teachers and really to get a big bicep in both arms. That was what exercise was to him. He took about eight years off. And so now his program that he's just started on Monday this week includes a lot of basic movements. His ideas from 10 years ago are, you know, dude, I used to do 35 pounds with these rows and I was doing three sets of 15. And why I'm like, your goal, your mindset right now is to show up at the gym four days a week to sweat and to show up recovered enough to do it again the next time. That's your whole mindset here. Stop focusing on these other factors process will take care of itself but his mindset is slowly starting to turn into that of okay i'm out of shape i'm really unhealthy i've taken 10 years out of this entire world my ego now was way up here i used to think i was tough stuff i got to come down a level somebody's helping me right and i understand his whys he might not have told me exactly each of, of the whys he's trying to get back into shape and lose weight but like you know if you do a good history you understand the people that you're working with that i think allows more autonomy in the long run for those people that you said are scaling weights because they know that the goal is to do things unbroken. Well, they understand the goal and they, they are in control of their own regulation, right? Mm-hmm. That's huge. And I think that's a mindset shift in itself. Do I have control over my own fitness behaviors? A, yeah. lot, of us, a lot of us don't sometimes. I'm guilty of it too. Yeah, definitely. And um- I'm going into that control aspect on things. I think that in every area of our life, that can be such a huge thing, either positive or negatively. I mean, you can definitely want control or have control of a situation. It can be a really good thing, but you can also develop some very, you know, bad habits, bad mindset because of this control aspect of other portions of your life too. I think you, Brian, you and I have talked about this in context off air and, and, and in other times you, you can get sucked into life, you can get sucked into habits, but to feel like you have control and to actually, I think, perform in life with control, with some autonomy, you need to have those regular periods of feedback for yourself. It might not mean that you externalize that every single time, but you know, for myself, knowing that I've got to run every couple of weeks with no music. It's not to be intense. It's to simply think about the training that I've been doing, that I've been putting my body physically through. That's the time I do it. So even in the two weeks between those runs, if it goes horrible, if it goes great, whatever happened, 
I know that in two weeks, I'm going to have to keep myself on that schedule so that I can reflect back and make any necessary changes to assure that I'm getting progress. And for me, my progress is ultimately right now to just be happy with the training. Mm-hmm. It's a vicious cycle sometimes, but I think that does span across all aspects of health. Like, do I have regular checkups with the physical therapist that's helped me in times past? No. Why? Would it be beneficial to see that therapist, even though I don't necessarily have a huge ailment right now? This is kind of just our self plug here, right? I'm just <laughs> Right. But the, I think that the, the idea there is that you at least have some regular process for feedback. Maybe yeah. again, don't externalize that. It's not a necessity, but I think it does help. But it, it's got to be a regular feedback thing where you're being honest with yourself and you're looking at factors like nutrition, like rest, like sleep, like stress, like external relationships. Those are all components that will impact your physical performance in the fitness realm. But more than that, that's going to ultimately impact your happiness and your, your health and longevity. Yeah, you hit it right there. You know, whether it's, you know, you go for a run with no music to kind of do that assessment, you know, whether it's meditation, whether it's just sitting there and just, you know, reading, just something to really assess how your body's feeling, how your mind, you know, what your mental state is, and just kind of reassessing your, you know, your whole system, essentially, you know, on a regular basis is is so key to everything. Right. Yeah. And so we, on our podcast, the Nobody's Podcast, Will and I had an awesome guest come on. She's a clinical psychologist uh, and her name's Tracy Stein. She does some great research out of Columbia, I think it is, but she's got some surveys that you can kind of do personality tests with. And I think the idea there is, you know, everybody can do a personality test and that information isn't very useful. And I'm not paraphrasing her at this point. This is kind of me taking that the tests that she has out there that are great do give you a ton of information, but it's what you do with that. The knowledge that you've gained from these tests then should be plugged into some application that means you're modifying some things about these aspects of life, whether they're big or small. If you're, for example, somebody that's very introverted and very reserved with your own goal setting, you don't write things down, everything's kind of bottled up inside, that's not a judgment But I think oftentimes, if people are like that, they find that out about themselves and then realize, well, I'm in a job where I see 250 people a day. I'm taking care of 30 other people's tasks every day. My relationships are all with people that are extroverts. My gym setting, right? This is how it's all time. My fitness setting is that of a group fitness setting every single time I work out. Well, your personality is over here on this side of the spectrum, but all the other things, the external factors are the exact opposite. So maybe it's not that you, you know, that's bad for you, but if we're talking about fitness, which has got to be the right balance between challenge, reflection, and then kind of plateauing and regression even, right? That's what a lot of programming is kind of based on these days is we can't just throttle, 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 up, 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 up. There has to be a regulatory system, a cycle, a process. Well, the same goes for life. And if you know these things about yourself, you know these things about these other factors, the mindset practice here that I'm, I guess I'm, I'm preaching is identify these factors about yourself. Know what it is that you're driven by. Know why it is that things are important to you. And then make sure that there's some frequency in there where you're kind of checking on the progress of the behaviors that you're trying to make changes in. Yeah. And that's huge. That is tough. That's really hard to do. And nobody has time for it. I know that. Well, you know, I don't know if that's totally true. And the reason I say that is because like, I've been working with my coach for 
it's like December now. And it's been really fun as I go like month to month. And I don't even really mean to necessarily like look back and analyze, but it's all of a sudden like I'll be in a scenario that I'll just respond to. And all of a sudden I'm like, that was not me like two months ago. Like it was, you know, I'm just like the way I come across or the way I respond to a situation versus reacting negatively to a situation is so different. And it's, it's nothing I have to necessarily like sit and analyze and think about like, how have I changed? Have I changed? But it's just stuff that as you do it, you all of a sudden start realizing like, Oh, that was different and felt natural. And you know, so I think, yeah, those personality tests, they're good to a point, but yeah, if you're just doing it just to do it versus doing it to see what things you can work on, you know, is there a point to it? Yeah. Well, and that it's ironic. And, and I think very valid that you bring that point up. Like I'm an analytical person. Like that's kind of, that's something that I do personally, but not for everybody. Definitely not for everybody. You have to find the things that work well for you. This yeah. reflection process, at least for me, is not something I don't think works for many other people, or at least I don't know if anything across the board will work, but yeah. Like you said, at least you're, you're making these notifications in the moment to yourself and about yourself and about your behaviors and your thought processes and your actions. I guess just don't discard that, right? Like you can kind of internalize it for a moment yeah. at the very least, but then you continue to live your life. And I think that over time, though, will kind of show you that progress. That's what you've said there, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, then, you know, and I am an analyst, as you know, as well. And so, you know, I do think about these things, but as far as like when they occur, also I'll like really start processing. Sure. But I've also kind of looked back at things I've written as we've gone through this process and just, and it's, I don't journal, I'm not a journaler, but it's just like at times after I have my phone call with my coach, like I'll just kind of write some thoughts down from it and just put them on inside my cabinet at my office. And just like, I'll look, I looked at it the other day and I was like, I don't even need some of these anymore. Like I'm totally like past some of these now. And so it's just really cool to, to look back and see these changes that have occurred. And it's totally just a mindset change for the most part that's, that's occurred rather than anything else. Yeah. I think there's tons of resources out there about mindsets, how to shift them. I think doing a a nice little gut check, do you trust what you're saying? Do you trust what you're reading? Do you trust the people that you're working with? For example, a coach might be a great example of how to get some mindset shifting going on in your life if it feels good, it feels good. Go with it. Yeah. Like that's, I think life's really short. If you can't feel good with something that you're really interested, it's a passion of yours and you're, you're trying to shift so many different variables around to make it work into your schedule or into your, all right, well then just find something else. Maybe there's probably (laughs) something else out there worth trying, worth trusting, you know? Yeah. I think that's huge. Maybe that is like the final selling point that I could try to drive home with my rambling is just that you, I think everybody kind of stands to benefit from some type of mindful practice and making it at least some type of a habit to get into that practice. Again, the frequency might be different. The duration might be different from person to person. The necessity is different from person to person. But I typically see the people that are happiest and successful and feeling well in their lives have some components of that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I think that's a perfect way to close it out. That's a very good summary of just kind of everything that we covered is just find your way to do it and make yourself happy with it. Absolutely. Have fun. Have fun. That's it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Let's get a little plug to your podcast. Tell us about it. 
So the Nobody's Podcast is something that Will Boyd and I have been working on for a little over a year now, a year and a half. It's a health and wellness podcast that really stemmed from just exploring all different topics. People have come on from different fields like surgeons, psychologists, a lot of physical therapists and business owners in the physical therapy world. But we really, we look at projects or works of other people and, and kind of just spotlight it and learn from their story, learn from their missions, their, their whys, if you will. And I think it's a fun project. If you're interested in learning more about it, check out twonobodies.com. That's where we post all of our stuff. And, and again, I, I owe a lot of that to Will Boyd. So he's another guy that I would definitely recommend checking out because his mission to serve other people is bar none one of the best I've learned from. So Will Boyd, I think his website's Dr. Will Boyd PT. Sounds right. I think that's it. Maybe it's just willboyd.com. Either way, you can find us on, on all the social media stuff there too, at the Nobody's Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that goodness. Awesome. Thank you for plugging that because it is an amazing podcast. It's one that I make sure I listen to on a weekly basis. So, Thanks, Brian. No problem. It. No problem. So awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining us, Nick. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks, you too. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find show notes at highlyfunctional.org, which has links to my website and my social media profiles, all containing more information to help you become highly functional. Until next time, go live and be highly functional.